Hey there, dog people of the internet. I'm Sarah Strumming, and this is Cog Dog Radio. Join me as I share my thoughts, experiences, and cases as I interview experts and answer your questions when it comes to the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. It's a new year and I have a news flash. Black lives still matter. I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in, but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio. So stay tuned. I have some exciting news for you. I've teamed up with my friend and colleague, Marissa Martino of Pause and Reward to present a three-part webinar series called the Connection Summit, prioritizing the human canine bond for successful behavior change. The series runs from February 23rd to March 9th. It airs Tuesday night each of those weeks at 5 p.m. Pacific. The first class is on the general mindset shift needed to allow focusing on the human canine bond to facilitate behavior change. The second is all about my concept, the four steps to behavioral wellness. And the third is Marissa's six principles of relationship building for dogs and their people. So I hope you'll join us and there's a registration link in the show notes. Just a quick Patreon question mini-sode for you all. The first one comes from Elise and she writes, topic, dogs that have trouble with transitions, not wanting to come inside after being outside after a walk, leaving the beach forest training area, loading into the car after a decompression walk. How can we smooth these transitions for them? Short of creating value for the new space with cookies or play, I'm at a loss. So great question, Elise, and I'm gonna argue that these dogs aren't struggling with transitions themselves. That is kind of a pathological behavior pattern that I can see Prime, which was one of the first case studies early, early on in the podcast, did suffer from struggle with transitions. Literally, it was hard for him to move from one space to another, and it didn't matter what each space was. These dogs just don't want to stop fun. (laughs) These dogs that you're describing are very normal and just don't want the fun to stop. And no amount of cookies in play, like you mentioned, is actually going to change that for them. So the way that I handle this is actually two ways. Um, One is that I arrange my environment. So I manipulate my environment so that there's never a fight concerning these things. And what that means is that I'm gonna hook a long line or a leash to my dog before we're even in sight of the car if I know that my dog is likely to avoid me at the car. And hint, if they've never avoided you before, but they're hitting like five or six months of age, they might start. (laughs) So you might wanna just do that if you don't trust yourself to see really subtle signs popping up before it's a full-blown problem. Um, That would be true for decompression walks, that'd be true for the beach or the forest or whatever. It's also true for the training area. If the dog is gonna avoid you and wanna stay in the training area, you need to orchestrate your exit routine so that there's not a conversation to be had. It's not a fight. You've taken away the option of them staying in that area. It's not really about smoothing the transitions. It's about teaching them that when it's over, it's over and that they don't have a lot of options. I teach this early, early, and then I don't have a problem. As far as not wanting to come inside from outside, I pretty much leave them out um, if they're safe in the yard. 
if I have a huge problem with this, they're going to drag a long line so that I can bring them in. Because if you get into the trap of getting cookies to get them to come in or getting a toy to get them to come in, now they've trained you to just produce something fun in order to come inside. In the very beginning, you could do big rewards every single time they come inside from outside or every single time they get in the car after the walk. And a, and a non-complicated type of dog is going to be perfectly fine with that. The types of dogs that I tend to fill my life with are more complex than that and usually really value freedom and running as well as training above all else. And so a history of cookies for coming in is not actually going to do what I need it to do. So I just make sure it's not an option. I hope that helps, Elise. Thanks for the question. Okay, next one comes from Maria. Maria says, after listening to the podcast, I've been giving my dog, Willie, who's a senior Havanese, more choice in the direction we walk on neighborhood and decompression walks. I've seen tons of benefits. However, he seems to find it almost aversive to walk any way that he doesn't want to. <laughs> I do give him control 90% of the time, but sometimes I have to go straight, turn left, etc. When I do, he'll stand and stare in the direction he wants to go. If I oblige him, he happily continues on. If I cannot, he drops his ears or tail and trails behind me. I've tried chatter, kissy sounds, that didn't work. A little leash pressure on both a six foot and a 25 foot leash, doesn't help. Uh, dropping the leash and walking away, only possible sometimes, but relatively unaffected by this. I'm nervous about using cues, recall, touch, front, etc., or the one, two, three pattern game because they work, but I don't want to poison them. Any ideas? P.S. Regular decompression walks have saved both of our mental health, so thank you. Well, Maria, I'm really, really happy that decompression walks have been helpful for you both. I'm going to point out one key sentence that I think is your answer. You said, sometimes I have to go straight, turn left, etc. And when I do, he'll stand and stare in the direction he wants to go. And here's, here's the kicker. If I oblige him, he happily continues on. If he is freezing and saying, no, I don't want to go that way, and then you are going the direction he wants to go, you have shaped that behavior. You have shaped that response. And so it needs to be clear whether it's a choice or a no choice moment for him. So as you're approaching a junction, you need to cue to him that you will be deciding or that he will be deciding. And when I say cue, I don't mean some arbitrary verbal cues that he doesn't understand. I mean, do the one, two, three pattern game into the direction that you would like to go, if that's what you're gonna do, or, Say to him, dog's choice, and, you know, slacken the leash and follow him the direction that he wants to go. That's going to help you to just make sure that there is no conflict in those moments because it's the conflict that they don't like and the coercion that they don't like. And in this scenario, if, if he really has been freezing and saying, no, I want to go this way and you've been giving in then when you make him go the way that you want to go, you've actually put him into what's called an extinction trail. You have not followed up with the desired and expected reinforcement for him. So try that. Try doing it consistently two different ways. You're doing it one way with the one, two, three pattern game, which y'all is um, a Leslie McDevitt pattern game, which Maria... If you wouldn't mind, if you've got a video of that, share it for us over in Patreon. And because I don't have one, so I'd love it if you would share one. So go into the one, two, three pattern game because that's a moving game that will get you moving into the turn that you want. It's not going to poison it because I don't think it's turning a certain direction that is a problem here. 
And if it's not, then say dog's choice and just follow him along and don't, don't feed him or cue him to do anything. And so I hope that helps. Um, and then there's a follow-up question from Abby, who says, my eight-year-old Chinook has been recovering from a chronic and severe injury and has been on leash restriction for over a year. Gosh, I'm sorry. To compensate, I've allowed him to have a lot of choice on walks and tons and tons of sniffy time. With lots of rehab, acupuncture, and great vet care, plus losing the right amount of weight, he is making a good recovery. We've graduated to long-line walks, but he also just wants to walk where he wants, and that isn't always possible. I've used the same methods described above. I have also practiced using treats to go my way for several steps and then allowing us to walk his way. If I try to wait him out until he agrees to go my way, I'd be waiting 10 to 20 minutes. There isn't pressure on the lead. He's not pulling to go his way, just a refusal to go mine. This is getting to the point where walks are unpleasant for both of us as they require these no choice moments. I would also like to start some more fitness type walks with less sniffy time. Ideas would be welcome. So Abby, I would give you the same advice, which is if you're coming up to a junction and you know that the dog can't have a choice, you need to engage the dog in behaviors with you with lots of food into that direction and then release the dog back to work. And I would also use different equipment and different antecedents. So um, maybe you've got food and you've got a food pouch and you're cueing a lot of behaviors from the beginning if it is not supposed to be a sniffy walk. Um, some dogs get really addicted to work and won't go on a sniffy walk, but there are plenty of dogs that get addicted to the other way around. So they only want to do decompression and don't care about you. Everything is a pendulum. For my dogs who tend to be very, very worky, I don't work them a lot on walks because they get addicted to the work and they don't want to go on the walk. For my dogs, if I had a dog that were less worky, um, or maybe if I'm walking my partner's dogs who aren't as addicted to work with me like they are with her, then I'm going to do more cueing of behaviors with high value reinforcement. So everything is a pendulum. You want to watch the behaviors that you're getting and respond accordingly. And a third post about this from Lynn. Lynn says, I have the exact same problem as in the two posts before. My dog used to be an easy to walk. He seemed happy to follow wherever I wanted to go. And after giving him more choice, he started developing very strong feelings about where we walk. He will typically stop if he thinks I turned the wrong way. I then tried kindly not giving him a choice and he will follow leash pressure, but he gets so deflated and walks behind me with his ears pinned back for a minute or so. And this is highly punishing to me. <laughs> I get it. It would be punishing to me as well. It is not the leash pressure itself that causes this. He's fine with it in other situations. Uh, I have now more or less stopped giving him choices on leash walks and he is less quote unquote stubborn now, but the same time it feels a bit sad um, now that I know his opinions. So this is becoming a problem for you all because of the cues in place. So they're always cues that tell the dog which one is expected of them before, um, the behaviors occur, whether you have put a cue in play or not. And I'm just going to tell you, cause I'm kind of telling you how to fix it, but I'm going to tell everybody right now how to avoid it in the first place. The way you avoid it in the first place is you teach the dog to check in and ask you at every single junction. So my dogs on a trail do not choose one way to go. They stop and wait at any junction that they get to. And when I get to the junction, I generally tell them which way we're gonna go. The way that they might get to choose which way is I just say, okay, and see which way they run. If I do that and they run one direction, I'll follow them. But it's never just that we're walking down a trail and they turn, there's a fork and they turn right and I follow them. 
they are expected to stop at every junction and say, which way are we going? How do I train that? I feed them at every single junction. I just teach them really early on that junctions mean cookies. And that produces a behavior of hanging out at the junction and kind of going, are we getting cookies? What are we doing? It's not that they are consciously aware. I don't think that they are of asking me which direction we're going. It's just a side effect that they wait for me and then I feed them and then I tell them which way we're going or I release them. If I'm walking five or six dogs, I can't just say okay and release them because two are gonna go one way, three are gonna go the other way, <laughs> it doesn't work. So I say this way, which is my cue to just follow me along and when they're young, they get fed for that. They get fed for following me. So the problem that has come along is I think you've just allowed the dog to go on its own walk without you around. Like as far as they're concerned, you may as well not even be there. And they've learned that they just get to do that and then they don't like being told what to do after that. So that's how to avoid it. And I hope that I hope that, that helps everybody to not run into this issue because there were so many people that had it that obviously it's a thing. Obviously it's a thing that's popping up. Last one from Christy. Hey Sarah, my question is how would you deal with a dog who never seems to settle on a walk? or starts off in a more settled state, but progressively amps up throughout the walk and then stays highly alert, um, vigilant about what is going on around her. My friend and I walk together frequently and we both give our dogs off-leash walks in the woods very regularly, four to five times a week. Between the two of us, we have six dogs. She has a shepherd Pyrenees mix that never seems to settle and goes into a predatory prey-driven mode and then can't settle back down. Once in this state, while she will recall back, food means nothing and she just sort of runs frantically. Her state of mind remains the same, even if leashed up. My friend and I both agree it's not a healthy state for her to be in, but neither one of us knows how to deal with the situation in an R plus manner. Also, once this happens, no matter how long we walk or hike, we've hiked for 15 miles in a day before and uh, peak back to three, four thousand footers, this dog reminds, uh, remains alert or vigilant the whole time. Like, she won't even sniff anything. She's just constantly scanning the horizon for anything. Any ideas would be greatly appreciated. We like to help her out in a way that wasn't aversive, but we don't know how. Christy, this is a tough situation, and I'm going to bounce back to what breed we're talking about. Okay, so we're talking about a guardian breed, a shepherd Pyrenees cross. Guardian breeds, especially the Pyrenees, but um, on some level, the shepherd as well, I'm assuming German shepherd, were designed to be on one property usually a large one, but one, and they were designed to patrol it. I believe this dog is trying to do that, but is out of her element, um, and that's therefore causing her a lot of stress. You have to understand that there is no one size fits all. One program does not fit for all dogs. It sounds like these off-leash hikes with a group of dogs are not actually appropriate for this dog. So what's interesting here is that I did my episodes with Kim Brophy and Kim is coming back on soon and that's great. And I want you to dig into those episodes and really understand um, how you might be fighting against what this dog is really designed for by asking her to off-leash hike with you. I'm of the mind that most dogs really benefit from off-leash walks out in nature, but I am always open to the fact that not all of them will be okay with it right so i've certainly known dogs that were you know, for lack of a better word kind of agoraphobic afraid to leave their own homes afraid to be anywhere but their own home and for those dogs 
you know, if they didn't settle in to off-leash walks pretty quickly, they'd stop doing it. There are ways to enrich their environment that they don't need to leave their house for. If the dog is so sick in the car or so anxious in the car that you can't drive to the trailhead, it's out for them too, until you, unless you get that taken care of, right? This dog is no different. Um, she's got a problem with being out in the world and my curiosity would be, and I don't know any more about this dog, but my curiosity would be, what is she like at home? What is she like in her own backyard? And what is she like on solo walks? And what is she like in more urban walks? If there are other things that are working better for her, then those are the things that we should do, right? So think about, I would think about leaving her home, to be honest, and I would see, um, you know, I might offer her one a week, see if she wants to go, see what she looks like. It might be that she needs less. Um, there are a lot of things that are possible here. I believe and my instinct is that there are things in this dog's mind that are telling her that she needs to be on high alert and she's on high alert for way too long. And like you said, she starts out okay, but gets, gets not okay. It's because nobody's nervous system can be on high alert for that long. So maybe shorter walks, maybe no walks. Experiment, see what works for her. Thanks everybody, and as a reminder, if you want to submit your Patreon questions, you can become a Patreon at patreon.com slash cogdogradio. And I'm also sharing puppy pictures and videos over there that I'm not sharing anywhere else. So, you know, might be a little bit of an incentive for you too. See you there. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, as well as joining the CogDog Radio community, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio and become a patron for as little as $4 a month. I hope to see you there. Cheers. Cheers.